Welcome to the Dallas Space Innovators Podcast. I'm Andrew Louder, founder and CEO of Dallas-based consulting firm Louder Co. There's so many great people innovating in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. This podcast aims to highlight them, the amazing things they're doing, and get behind the scenes on their approach and on them personally. At my company, Louder Co., we're the innovation specialists business leaders turn to when their organization must perform better. Artificial intelligence, business transformation, and venture building projects are usually very stressful. Not with us. We believe your business will soon begin losing without an AI strategy. We create AI strategies to accelerate operations and create revolutionary new technology products. We do that because we're tired of seeing businesses that keep letting bad operations kill their growth. Through change initiatives like creating innovation hubs, improving processes, and instilling technologies, we transform companies to perform better and grow faster. Our gift to you for listening is access to our free Intro to Artificial Intelligence Guide. We hit on what is AI, where's it going, and how to get it into your business. Get that free guide at louderco.com slash intro to AI. We look forward to serving you. Visit us at louderco.com for more information, insightful content, and ways to schedule our first conversation. Thank you for listening and on to our show. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Dallas Space Innovator Show presented by Louder Co. I'm Andrew Louder, and today we have a special guest, Paramal Patel out of uh, Strateka. He's the managing director and co-founder there, also a principal at Connequity Group. And uh, so I, I think we're going to have a lot of great things to talk about. You know, he comes with uh, some extensive background helping transform companies of the corporate size and even on down the line, right? Yeah. Early stage all the way up to Fortune 100. There you go. So I think he's a wealth of knowledge. I've known him for what, a couple of years now? Yeah, about two, three years. All right. Wonderful. So I think we're going to have some fun. So Paramal, why don't you just get us started? Tell us a bit about yourself, a little one to two minute bio. Yeah, so grew up in central New York, right outside of Syracuse. Um, let's see, academic-wise, electrical engineering. Started in operations and engineering for Lockheed Martin. Moved around quite a bit. Uh, did the rotational program. Uh, decided to leave corporate world and go into consulting. Uh, started with KPMG probably back in 2008. That's right, yeah. Um, <clears throat> loved it. Yeah, I had sort of a... Uh, a calling to consulting. It was a white space in my career, but it was something that interested me quite a bit. Get a variety of uh, experience as well as exposure to different things. Um, jumped to a boutique from there because decided I didn't want to be on the road quite a bit and a yeah, partner at a big five didn't attract me as much. Uh, so went to a boutique based out of Dallas. They moved to Denver uh, and then started Stratech about three years ago with my business partner, Rama. Um, it's been a wild ride ever since. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it's it's great from our standpoint because our operating model is such that we're able to work with early stage, we're able to work with mid-market, and we can work with Fortune 100, uh, which we're doing today. And so it gives us the flexibility to have fun in what we do, but also, you know, do some cool things in the consulting space. Yeah, that's awesome. You, you mentioned Rama uh, as your as your partner. Yeah. He's such a great guy, too. Um, you know, I feel like I run into him in the most random places. Yeah. I don't know if he's mentioned that to you. But <laughs> he, he did, yeah. I think at just random Barnes & Nobles, <laughs> yeah. random Starbucks, you know, um, Ascension Coffee. It stems you know. some of the best conversations, right? When it's not yeah. planned, it's not sort of a, hey, I'm going to see you at 1.30 on a Friday. Right. It's it's kind of fun to just kind of meet someone and yeah. have casual conversation. 
And you know you're great partners too when you end up dressing the same. Yeah. <laughs> I've caught you guys a couple times, basically uh, yeah. very much dressed the same. Yeah, you know, funny story. Happens. We're, we were meeting with a, a private company of 2 to $3 billion, and uh, we were meeting with our chief administrative officer. We walked up to the building, <clears throat> saw each other for the first time on that Friday, uh, and Rama and I were wearing almost the exact same shirt, oh, dark my. blue pants, brown yeah. belt, brown shoes, everything. Unbelievable. Yeah, the guy had to make fun of us talking about our yeah, uniforms course, and yeah. such. So, yeah. It happens more often than you think. It's like the new IBM. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except so, we wear more fun colors. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Not the drab. Yeah. But, um, okay. So, recapping kind of how we met, I don't recall who made the intro, but I do remember our first chat at a Starbucks, just kind of talking about our strengths, what we do, looking at ways to work together. And then our paths just kind of keep crossing. Yeah. Um, I'm part of Digital Fight Club, a uh, rather innovative um, debate style, high energy debate over various you know, technology topics amongst luminaries. And you guys, Shratekas, have been a key part in that. And so it's it's wonderful to keep kind of keep uh, uh, running into you and, and being seeing where Shratekas has been going. You know, with Fight Club, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's interesting. Uh, Michael Pratt asked us why. And I think quite a bit of it has to do with it's not a traditional panel event, right? You just get there. It's kind of boring. People speak. It's very interactive, and it allows the audience to do some networking at the same time. So it's not just right. about question and answer with some of the, the luminaries that you're speaking about. It's yeah. uh, it's way more interactive. People get to know each other, and I think it blossoms a lot of future uh, relationships. That's right. And as a key sponsor, you get to walk across the stage. Yeah, holding a, a round card, right? <laughs> you know, you know, as of the first event that we sponsored, when Michael told us we could do that, I quickly looked at uh, the tallest person on our team and said, "Hey, <laughs> Ellery, why don't you go do this?" And ever since, he's been that guy, nice. uh, and he loves doing it. I think just his passion comes out a little bit from a strategic standpoint, and we love Absolutely. to see that out in the uh, out in the market. That's cool. And I know you guys are also sponsoring the Houston event coming up. Yeah, we'll be will he also be carrying the card? He will be. Okay. Yeah. He's making the trip just yeah. for that. That's He's making great. it just for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. Okay, so enough about Houston. Yeah. That's all we'll talk about Houston. <laughs> back to but, Dallas. Uh, back to Dallas. Okay, so you mentioned you're from New York. What what brought you to Dallas? Kind of what are, what's, what are your overall thoughts about the place? Yeah, you know, um, I first came here for work, and then I moved to California. I was in Santa Barbara, California for two years, and uh, it wasn't Dallas that brought me back. It was my beautiful wife. All right. And so, yeah, it's a plug to her. Um, so uh, she was graduating. We were looking at a place to be. She was looking at jobs. Uh, she found a great opportunity here in Dallas, and so I decided to move back in 2008 and been here ever since. Um, what do I think about Dallas? It's very different than New York State. Uh, being Very different. Yeah, born and bred up in New York, just the personalities, the people, everything's different. Um, I think as an environment, it's interesting. You and I were speaking a little bit about the the community, the startup community, how to be innovative. I think one thing that I love about Dallas from that standpoint is the environment is such that it fosters greatness without some of the attributes that you'll see in a Silicon Valley or somewhere else. Uh, for instance, we have capital, we have mentorship, we have great people, we have great talent, uh, but we're lacking some of the crazy, right? right I, yeah. I kind of some of the the fortitudes that come out of high valuations, things that people think outrageously. Um, some of that could exist here, but I think that all in all, the community 
it is such that it's it's fostering good companies. Uh, there's a good journey in front of us. You know, the smart cities that Trey Bowles is doing. There's just so mm-hmm. many good things going on in Dallas. Um, it's kind of nice to not be, you know, the Boston or the San Francisco. We're creating our own path, which is awesome. Yeah, it really is. I think we probably came to Dallas right about the same time. I, I, I showed up in 2007, mm-hmm. you 2008. Just in those, you know, 12-ish years, there's been so much that's changed here. Yeah, if you would have asked me in 2008, would this be a startup hub, I would have probably said no. <laughs> I'd be Absolutely like, why, not, why yeah. wouldn't it be Houston? <laughs> oh, right, yeah. yeah. And, and overall, all just innovation, how I think it's occurring from both sides, from startups and the corporate level. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Dallas is unique in that, I think. You know, we have so many Fortune 500 headquarters and uh, and even these you know, the mid-market-sized companies, too, um, that continue to grow and, and do incredible things all throughout the community and evolving Dallas as a, a great business center. Mm-hmm. Agree. So tell us a bit more about Strateka. Okay, I think a lot of it's in the name. Yeah. Strategy, technology, advisors, right? But, you know, what are the, the big challenges you guys are solving for your, your clients? What do they turn to uh, Strateka for? Yeah, that's a great question. So strategy, technology, advisory, I think mm-hmm. quite a bit of our clients, and I'll take our current client base, not necessarily our future and potential client base, but it's about solving problems in a unique way, a way that applies to them. Uh, having come from Big Five and my business partner came from Big Five, a lot of our folks are from top tier strategy or Big Five consulting. Um, quite often, we'll try to apply the same principles as consultants from one client to another. And I think what that does injustice to is the uniqueness that are our clients. So when our clients say, hey, we're unique, we tend to tell them you're not so unique. But that doesn't mean they need the cookie cutter problem solving, right? And so what we tend to try to do is be a more nimble, senior-led team that's, that's able to deliver great solutions that could be creative, could be innovative, could be the same thing that other companies are doing. But there's a level of diligence that's done very quickly on our end that allows us to solve those problems. Um, so a lot of it is just that. It's, it's solving problems in a way that applies to our clients, not just so you know, we can build a firm. We want to have fun on what we're doing. Yeah, so. yeah got it. So then... Uh, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, Connequity Group. Yeah. That's more on the investment side of things. So what's that like? It is. So let's see, 2011, I uh, I was at KPMG, got promoted, and I had to sell a bunch of stock uh, Mm. attestation rules. So as I was leaving KPMG, I decided, you know, private equity could be a landing spot for me. Uh, It wasn't as interesting just based on where I was in consulting, where I was in my career journey. And so decided to start my own investment firm. Started with one investment in West Virginia. Uh, Connequity Group now has 11 investments. Uh, we've partnered with larger PE companies. We've partnered with other angels. Uh, we're a part of a couple of funds. And the intent there is not just to invest to uh, grow net worth or grow capital. Uh, a lot of it is let's help bring jobs to U.S. communities. And so wow. when it's technology, when it's manufacturing, <clears throat> it's about job creation. It's about doing the right thing, maybe socioeconomic impact. Um, it's about doing something for a bigger reason, uh, leaving a legacy for, you know, when my kid asks me what I do, it's not just investing, it's for the right reasons. That's wonderful. Okay, you said 11 portfolio companies. Mm-hmm. What are those companies like? What's Are, are they all very different or are they um, kind of in the same industries? What you- uh, they're all very different, like vastly yeah. different. Wow. Uh, so glass manufacturing to technology, uh, product companies, um, one service company, 
uh, no franchises or real estate yet, um, but quite a bit of it is there's an opportunity. Companies are growing. It could be scratch and dent. It could be early stage. It could be mm. mid-market. Uh, they could be re-upping on debt. Um, depending on the opportunity and who we're partnering with, it just it changes the, the thesis a little bit. And do you incorporate the Strateco model into these companies at all? Not typically. <clears throat> as of as of now, I'd say a lot of it is mutually exclusive. They're okay. somewhat independent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the philosophy of if they need help, we we help. And so a lot of the general thoughts around Strateca and helping early stage companies is that's the future of our economy. It's the future mm-hmm. of the U.S. Future of global markets. Uh, to me, and so as these startups grow, there are lots of learnings that we can take from Fortune 100s and apply. And there's also lots of things that they can do differently that don't apply and don't right. need to apply. Um, so I think there's there's things that Stratech is doing for their clients or for our clients <coughs> uh, that build off of what I see in Connectivity Group, but probably doesn't go both ways too much. Got it. Yeah. And how do you f- how do you um, get your deal flow? You know, a lot of it's word of mouth. Initially, it was a lot of me searching, mm-hmm. uh, and then deals started coming in. I stopped doing the diligence myself, started paying other people, and nice. it just sort of came. Okay. Yeah. Just that easy. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, That's good. I, I like to see him come through versus chasing him. Um, yeah. You know, some of the networking kind of leads to stuff, but <clears throat> for the most part, yeah, they just they, they tend to be given to a friend of a friend, word of mouth. Right, they yeah. come by me. Uh, relationships. We some, yeah, we do some it's diligence, critical. but relationships is a big piece of it. Being intentional about every relationship yeah. is big to me. So, and these these portfolio companies are they um, in in the Dallas area? Any of them here? Uh, three of them are. Three. Oh, and cool. The rest are national. Yeah. Very cool. So then, um, Strateca, you know, it, it's growing so much. Mm-hmm. What are some of the biggest challenges you need to overcome today? You know, our number one challenge is well, I'll say two of them. So number one is finding the best talent. Right. So. There's a lot of companies that can offer great things. Um, I think for us, it's finding the right talent that has the same entrepreneurial spirit, wants to build a company. It's not mm-hmm. just being a good consultant. Uh, so that's A. <clears throat> you know, I think B is a clients in the early stage mindset are like, hey, you guys are small, you're nimble, that's awesome. When we talk to Fortune 500 companies, they see a lot of risk with a right, small company. Yeah. Uh, so what we try to do is, as opposed to just touting how great we are, we offer up ways to show them, whether it's workshop or whether it's opportunity for them to, to talk with our team in a professional setting. Um, it's working through that risk and mitigating it. I think our team is built off of X big five, X tier one consulting mm-hmm. on the strategy side. <clears throat> and so as we talk to the Fortune 500, it's really, hey, how can we help you? We're not going to deploy a team of 30 people, so it's not that big a deal. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's just having those conversations and working through it. Got it. Yeah. So if you could, take us behind the scenes a bit. When you're doing a strategy workshop, what's that look like? What's the client's experience like going through that with you? Hopefully positive. <laughs> of course, yeah. I'm assuming it is. Yeah. Um, you know, for a client, it's it's preparation on our end. And so as opposed to just walking into a workshop and saying, hey, we're going to have these 10 things we're going to talk about, we do some preparation up front. We talk to them about what their pain points are, but then we walk in and we, we hear from everyone, right? So if you if the CIO or the chief strategy officer brings in uh, three people, it's not just that one individual we're going to speak to. We want to get all ideas on the table. We want to understand the landscape of what we're working with. And then there might be some follow-up. 
uh, but quite a bit of it is listening and facilitating. Um, it's never to see how much we can show and how, how smart we are. Uh, that just hopefully is a byproduct of what we do. Um, but quite a bit of it is listening and trying to figure out what they really need and putting it on paper so they can see it. Got Visualizing it. Their, their reality is quite often, <clears throat> quite often one of the best things that comes out of it. And do you find these workshops are <coughs> unique depending on each client or does it follow a rather sound, you know, formulated structure or is it a bit both? I'd say sometimes it follows a structure, but more often than not, it pivots. And so the reason for the uniqueness is the way we deliver is somewhat unique. Um, I don't want to assume that everything for every client applies to everyone. Right. And so we may walk in with a general thesis that springboards off of off into different directions. Uh, so we may start in the same place with multiple clients, but we always end in a different place. Got it. And how, if we honed in then on the, the technology side of, of the company, mm-hmm. what are some of the things you're doing in the technology space right now for your clients? Yeah, so everything from building custom solutions to developing a strategy and architecture. Um, so depending on the size of client and what we're doing. Uh, the neat thing about what we do is, uh, and I'll you know kind of reflect on the proudness I have, but All right. Rama and team have built just an amazing architecture team, probably one of the best in, in the Southwest, if not the U.S., um, the, the technical chops that come with the architecture team at Stratec are just, I think they're second to very few. Um, and so everything do, we do is architecture driven. So mm-hmm. we design, we blueprint, we plan, we make sure whatever custom solution comes out of it is a, is a byproduct of what the company actually needs versus, Hey, we need to go build a web app. We need to go build X custom solution. Just go execute. Uh, we really thrive on architecture driven custom development architecture-driven product development, uh, and it's, you know, so far so good kind of thing. That's, that's, yeah. that's wonderful. Uh, is there a, a particular client story? You know, I, I know there's a lot of confidentiality sure. involved here, but what's probably something that you, you feel most proud of um, with a client outcome? Would, would you be open to sharing something like that with us? Sure. Uh, you know, we actually have a client right now. Um, we'll keep the, the name confidential, right. but I can talk a little bit about what we're doing. It started off in conversation, uh, something like, hey, we need some help on the technology side, right? I'm newly hired. I'm an executive uh, on the IT side. We're a growing company. We're trying to scale quite a bit over the next two to three years. Help me, right? Because right. it's just when you walk into an environment where there's a lot of scaling going on, a lot of growth, there's so many competing priorities, you just don't know where to focus. And so what we did was we said, hey, let's take a moment. Let's understand what you have and what you don't have, right? Where do you want to be? So building an architectural roadmap to say, hey, here's exactly where you are today. Here's what you're missing. Here's what you're collected, what you have collected in technical debt. Here are some options. So they came back and said, okay, well, we kind of want to do these two things. We'll do this one in parallel. Uh, what do you think? And so in each conversation, they're transparent with us, us about activity and what they want to do quickly. And we're transparent about uh, about impact and really what that does to the priorities and the mm-hmm. company and the company's growth. You know, I think for them, it's been an amazing journey. They've been a client for about five months. They're doing a lot of great things. And I think just the fact that, you know, they're under 20 million and they're looking at this stuff and they're, they're, they're trying to understand how every decision impacts them. Mm-hmm. It's great. And it's, it's, it's a good story for me to share because... 
It, it chokes me up. <laughs> uh, it, it, <laughs> Paramal has a, a, a slight cold. He's yeah, trying to fight off. <clears throat> um, it's it's a great story because of the journey that they're on, the journey that we're partnering with them on, mm-hmm. and the fact that they're just they're open to a lot of ideas, right? Yeah. A lot of growing companies, it's, hey, I have this idea. I know what I want. These guys, they, they know what they can do, and they know yeah. what they can't, and they're open to the advice, which is awesome. Yeah, I love that. I, you know, we play in very similar spaces. I think um, you know, serving similar type clients, I think you guys are more on the Fortune 100 uh, list uh, more than ourselves. You know, we're, we're up there occasionally, but, you know, we love the companies that are kind of that $20, $100 million annual revenue range. Um, you know, where, where we play though, is a bit more on the, the innovation and artificial intelligence side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I understand completely what you're talking about. Just the impact that can be made at those companies. Um, really the, the way the, those companies really do kind of honor and cherish the things that you're bringing to the table and their ability to really move quickly and see that impact rather quickly. It's a lot of fun, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think, you know, the word innovation is somewhat interesting because over the course of the last 10 years, innovation is by definition changed. And I think at the end of the day, it's opening the aperture of how we view things and letting new things in. And I think, you know, private companies, our private clients, I'll speak to their to their thesis. They're they're generally more open to new ideas. I think some of our public clients, uh, you know, just the, it's a matter of the beast. They're chasing the analyst expectations. They're quarter to quarter. Yeah, there's a yeah. different set of pressures, and so trying to push for, <clears throat> excuse me, innovation. You know, it's it's easier said than done, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we t- we talk about being innovative. I think quite a bit of it is <clears throat> how can you be innovative if you're chasing quarterly expectations because yeah. it does take time. Uh, you know, J.C. Penney, look at them, right? Like they're—it's they, hard to do anything innovative because every moment you're being just pushed right. in a negative way. And so, I think it's a balance around how all the executives we work with on the public side view their day to day, right? It's the keep my job versus hey, right. let's do something fun, innovative, and something that could really grow the company in a different way. Yeah, you know what's fun? Um, working, I'm working with a client right now where. It's actually been a bit um, refreshing. You know, I go into clients sometimes, do the assessment, and just you, you talk to people, and they don't really realize that hey, there's a, we're in a dumpster fire right now. You yeah, know? yeah. And so you ask, you know, what are the problems? What, what do you think we can do to fix them? And they just have no clue. Mm-hmm. But this company I'm helping right now, they have they have nothing but ideas and people identifying problems. They're just so strapped for capacity and capability that you know, that's really where we can come in and help and um, what we're doing is establishing an innovation hub, in fact, where we can take these ideas and solve problems as they come up and then start planning for the future and being more proactive. But uh, you're right. It, it, it's hard to do stuff like that at the larger companies. Some of them already have something going. And to your point, it's just it, the investment may not be worth it to them. Absolutely. And I think <clears throat> quite a bit of it comes down to listening, right? As we listen to our clients, Fortune 100, you know, it could be a Fortune 10 even. You know, yeah. Every company has room to grow, room to be better. I think as we listen to our clients, it's doing what you said. It's being innovative for them, right? If they need capacity, figure out how to get them capacity. There are certain elements around staff hog and capacity that can be helpful. Right. But what that does is a byproduct of just providing resources. 
it could help them think differently. It could help them do some more things. Absolutely. Uh, so something as simple as that could be very innovative for them in the long run. Yeah, and bringing bringing your big five experience and frameworks and tools to the fold, I think, mm -hmm. goes a long way too. Absolutely. Awesome. So, okay, let's move into the lightning round. All right. Nothing really different than the main part of the conversation. Just we've got to call it the lightning round. Or else it's not a podcast. Like <laughs> Micro Machine Man. <laughs> not necessarily. All right, so... If you could go back and tell your younger self something about something you should do differently in your career, yeah, what would that be? What, what would you like to have known at the start of your career? Uh, start a career, okay, so I'm not going back to second grade. Okay. Uh, not that far. <laughs> we can uh, if you want. No, no, it's okay. Um, I would say somewhere between college and the start of my career, I think, you know, Clarity around what mentorship can bring to you would be uh, yes. huge. Um, I am a big f uh, fan of mentoring. I have three mentors that are core to me, probably some more informal ones. Um, <clears throat> I also have, you know, six to eight mentees, probably more. I don't know. Um, I think quite a bit of the the mentoring is it's what are you trying to get out of it? It's being intentional about everything you do. I think. If back in college, while I was doing engineering, what am I doing with engineering? Do I want to be an engineer? <clears throat> Even when I started working, for what reason? You know, what are the desires that are driving you? Quite often we make decisions because we think it's the right thing to do, right? Sort of uh, built into, hey, go go get a job. Go make money. Go make more money. Go get a family. Right. Go, whatever, right? <clears throat> I think from a mentorship standpoint, if it could have been just a, a lending hand, right? Even what we do for our clients, it's you act as a North Star and that mentor can be a North Star for you and they can help you understand why you're going down the path you're going. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it would have been great to have that early on. Absolutely. And understanding why. It's not yeah. just doing it for the sake of it, not just checking the box. It's it's valuing the relationship and building on it. And I'm sure you're at a point where you're kind of paying it forward too, right? You're You're mentoring others. Yeah, absolutely. So I probably have six to eight on every, any given day. Um, I love to talk to my mentees at least once a month. Yeah. Um, I actually started a nonprofit back in 2012. The difficulty was around the legal arrangements, but it was to help, uh, you know, let's say high school kids, right? They want to get into college. I was sitting in a board meeting with the folks around me and I said, why aren't we giving back? Why aren't we helping these folks, right? Like <clears throat> there's plenty of folks with opportunity and potential that uh, just don't have any guidance. And so in that moment was able to, to raise a little bit of funds to get it started. But a lot of that was just moving it forward and, and sort of scaling it. Uh, you know, I think there's a, there's a huge opportunity, whether it's formally or informally for us to mentor folks. And, you know, it should be about giving back because once we're no longer around, it's about what people are going to do to yeah. take what we've built and move it forward. Uh, if we don't do that, then we don't move forward. Got it. So I think you might've hit on this already with your mentors, but who or what do you think has influenced you the most along your way? I would say, you know, my 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 key mentor is probably my dad. Yeah. And uh, he's just meant a lot to me throughout my life. Not that my mom hasn't. She is wonderful as well. But right. his thesis on business, you know, my parents coming to the U.S. with, with not much, right? They built a life for themselves. <clears throat> Excuse me. They built a life for, you know, our family. And... You know, I think a couple of things that, that, that come through are take risk, right? To, to, to do well, you need to take risk. Um, his, his influence on me to say, hey, you know, you want to start a company. At the end of the day, if it doesn't work out, you can go back to the corporate job. Right. Why not? 
right? Uh, just to hear that gives you a little sense of security, but it's also confidence, right? Um, a lot of times goes uh, so far, right? When yeah, you hear well, it from your 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 family, especially yeah. your dad. You know, you know, a hundred people could have told me to just take the risk, <clears throat> but it's so different than if my dad says it. Uh, so he's probably the most influential. And, it, you know, it's in multiple ways. Like, he's taught me the frugality that I live by. He's taught me, you know, what it is to take risks, why you're working, what kind of legacy do you want to leave. Uh, it helps drive why I do what I do, not just for corporate stature, if you will. Right. Uh, that's that's wonderful. You know, we may share in that. You know, my, my parents came in from, uh, you know, they're both South American. Um, a lot of ways had to make that difficult decision to, to come to the U.S., and um, you know, my dad's Venezuelan. There was a chance we could have been in Venezuela and you kind of look at, you know, the two potential paths, you know, I could have, we could have stayed there and I mean, Venezuela is kind of a, a hellhole right now, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, or, you know, kind of look at the path that was chosen and I, I couldn't be more thankful for that, you know, you, you know, they gave up, they gave up everything for us, yeah. right? They, oh, yeah. they, they dropped everything. They moved to the U S and it was for opportunity. I think I, I recall this, it was a couple of years ago. I was talking to my mom and I was complaining about work. <coughs> I was oh like, boy. Oh, my, day, my day was horrible and this and that. And she was just listening. Yeah. And then probably about 10 minutes into it, I just stopped and she goes, what's wrong? I said, I have no reason to Never complain mind. to you, right? Like nothing I'm doing is anywhere near what's what you've experienced. Uh, right. But it's just, you know, it's just knowing, right? Each reality is different. And our reality is we could have some stressful days, but it's nothing compared to what my parents went through. But it's a great, it, it's a great foundation for me to understand because yeah. then it helps me know what, what matters and what doesn't matter. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it keeps you grounded. Totally. All right. So what's uh, your coffee of choice? Black. Straight up. Yeah. Which means I don't like Starbucks much because it's oh, a little yeah. bitter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like home brewed or you go somewhere? Uh, Ascension coffee? Yeah. I go to Ascension quite a bit. That's kind of our, our virtual office. Yeah. Um, I think the reason I chose black coffee is, you know, when I do get a latte, when I do the cappuccino, I'm, I'm treating myself, but... I, I drink so much of it at this point since I become a father. It's sort of a, I might as well go black so that way yeah. I, I'm not consuming a lot of things that I shouldn't be consuming all the time. Good call on that. So, yeah. So are you a new father? Did I catch that? Yeah. So, well, not totally new. So my kiddo is 20 months old. His name okay. is Dax. He's all right. He's a riot, man. He's awesome. <laughs> That's cool. How's that changed you? Have you noticed <laughs> anything yet? You know, I think it's changed my focus. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm a workaholic, but now I work at different times of day. Yeah. Uh, I try to focus on myself and my, my business. But, uh, you know, my wife being a husband, being a father, uh, those are really important. So I make yeah. sure that whenever possible, outside of <clears throat> extenuating circumstances, I'm there for bedtime. Yeah. It's a time that he and I have together, and that's important. That's, right. that's cool. So I've got two of my own and one on the way. Mm. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. Due in March, so. So, we'll so you guys, you guys are going to have to switch to zone defense. <laughs> yeah, we are. We are. I've gotten so used to the, the man-to-man. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I need to switch it up. Um, how about your adult drink of choice? Scotch. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, so I remember a project at KPMG. A gentleman, Tom Carney, he just handed me a, a Macallan 15. <clears throat> and I had it, and it was, it was great. I'd never had scotch before. Yeah. Uh, and ever since, I've just been uh, hooked now, the problem with Scotch is that I started with a Macallan 15. I was gonna say, <laughs> which means that uh, I'm, a very, tough one to I'm a very bougie Scotch off, drinker. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's <laughs> good. I, you know what? I'm I'm more of a bourbon guy. So this I haven't migrated mm. to Scotch. Tried much Scotch. I'm gonna have to good bourbons. Is that a good place to start the Macallan 15? 
Uh, it's it's an expensive place, so <laughs> okay. comparatively. Right. Gotcha. There's some better options. Yeah. Is there anything you're learning right now? <laughs> yeah, how to balance being a father, a husband, yeah. and a business owner. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I think a lot of the learnings are around what matters and why. Uh, just you know, twenty. 2019 has been an interesting year for us, just personally and professionally. Mm -hmm. uh, and from a personal standpoint, a lot of things have stood out to say what matters. Yeah. Uh, so I've shifted a lot of focus probably in the last six to nine months to, to ensure that, one, we're, we're intentional on how we build Strateka and why. But then, two, you know, if our, if our folks are going through something, that we're there to support them as well. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me, because whatever Ram and I go through, our people are probably going through it too. Yeah, and so we want to make sure that we support them because we are a people first company. That's fantastic. How about books? Are you reading anything right now? Yeah, uh, probably not one you thought of, but it's uh, uh, "Oh crap, I'm pooping" or something or potty training. <laughs> uh, so it's literally a book around how we're going to get our 20 month old to, to potty train. It's yeah. the only book I'm reading outside of blogs, uh, but it is fascinating because every time I read it, I'm like. All this psycho babble stuff is not going to help me. <clears throat> it's crazy. Uh, but then I think about the being in the throes of it because we're going to do it in about two weeks. Uh, I am pretty certain that every word I, I read is going to apply. You think so? Yeah, it, just because I'm going to think about it. And I'm going to think, okay, well, I can't ask ask him if he if he really wants to do this. Um, yeah, it's all going to be in my head. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think back at the whole potty training thing for us. Um, it's all been kind of a blur, honestly. I think yeah. I've kind of, I know one one of them. It happened much quicker than the other, and and I was ready to just move on from it all. Um, but then you know we wanted a third child, and we're getting back, into, get back it. into it. Back getting back into yeah, it. Yeah. Here we go again. Yeah. All right. Uh, how about routines? I know you've been through a lot of change. I mean, are you a routine person? Do you find any kind of life hacks that? You yeah, know, work for you. I am definitely not a wake up at 3 a.m., wake up at 5 a.m., do that kind of stuff. Um, I probably wake up between 5.30 and 6. Uh, that's part of a routine, I suppose, um, outside of the general stuff. <clears throat> the morning routine is about, you know, the wife and kid. I yeah. don't do much work at all uh, unless it's something imperative that's come through. Um, it's eating breakfast with a kiddo. It's getting him to school every day. I uh, try to work out most mornings, or at least I used to. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> during the day between the hours of, you know, seven thirty and five, when I'm working, there is no routine. It's do whatever needs to get done. Right. Uh, but then in the evenings outside of any, uh, key critical things, it's bedtime with a kiddo. Yeah. It's dinner time with the family. And I think that's important because, you know, work will be there the next day, but your, your time with your family is precious and that's important. So yeah, that's a absolutely. big part of my routine. Absolutely. And I think I know the answer to this, but what do you look forward to the most each weekend? You know, as I find as business owners, we don't necessarily count down to the weekend like others, yeah. right? Or else why would we be doing this? But, you know, what do you look forward to on the weekend when you get some downtime? Yeah, so it's not the working at, you know, midnight, which sometimes happens. But yeah. um, right now, every Saturday morning, we go to swim class <coughs> with my son Dax and my yeah. wife. Uh, and so when the three of us go to swim class, it's just, it's about an hour where, that's all it is. Yeah. Right. And that's it's it's recurring. So, <clears throat> excuse me, it's easy to focus on every weekend. Mm -hmm. It's easy to look forward to. Yeah. Um, outside of spending time with family and friends, uh, swim class is probably the number one thing. Nice. All right. Let's uh, <coughs> you've, you've survived the lightning round. Congratulations. Nice. You're off the hot seat. So uh, let's bring this thing to a close. So what's yeah. it like for a client to get started with you? 
Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, it's pretty easy at the end of the day, if they have something that they're looking for, uh, the way I look at it is if there's a problem need to be solved, there's an, a lack of understanding of what they need to go do, or they're looking at any big five, we can provide an option, right? So it all starts with conversation, <clears throat> whether it's a call to my cell phone, whether it's going on our website and just put it, you know, putting in their information for us to give them a call. Yeah. A lot of it is just making the, f- the initial contact. And then, you know, from there, we're not going to put a big sales push if it's necessary, but we want to have a conversation. We'll listen and we'll see how we can help if possible. Absolutely. Okay. You mentioned a website. What is that site? www.stratteca.com. Awesome. <laughs> and how else can people get a hold of you personally? LinkedIn? LinkedIn, they can call my cell phone. My email, my email's on LinkedIn. My we don't want to give. Not. We don't want to give the cell phone out. Yeah. right now. There, there's ways to find it, but uh, yeah, LinkedIn's a great way. I check yeah. that multiple times a day. Those robocalls will will get you. <clears throat> oh yeah, Trust they me. they already do. They already do. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, but LinkedIn's a great way. I think I check it. it. It's sort of my Facebook. I'm not actually on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, but it's I use it like it is. Awesome. Well, Paramal, thank you so much for your time today. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Uh, you're a great guest, but uh, you know, appreciate everybody listening, turning into the, the Dallas Space Innovators podcast provided by Louderco. I'm Andrew Louder, signing out. That's our show for today. We hope you took away something valuable. Be sure to visit Louderco at louderco.com for more. Thank you again, and stay tuned for more from Dallas-based innovators.